Hello and welcome to the new season, season five of the Ebb and Flow podcast with me, Solomon Ezra Berezin. Thank you for all your listener support so far. I'm really looking forward to this new season focusing on holistic wellness and Hasidic Jewish wisdom so we can each thrive in body, mind, and soul. I'm also looking forward to sharing more podcast guests with you along with other content here and on my YouTube channel, Solomon Berezin. If you're new to this show or you haven't seen it yet, a good place to start is the recent video or podcast trailer entitled Ebb and Flow, Holistic Hasidic Health. In that video or audio, you will hear all about this new season, who is it for, my newsletter that comes out every Friday, and my coaching services. Now onto the show. My guest today, Rabbi Alon Rome, is a rabbi in Sfat, Israel, who spent the last 20 years scouring every Jewish book he could find that talked about higher conscious living, personal development, and coming closer to God. He studied in the most prestigious Kabbalah academies in Israel and with the true living masters of our generation. In addition to being an ordained rabbi, he became a certified master NLP and TFT practitioner and certified professional hypnotherapist. He's taken all the knowledge and experience from the last 20 years and created Geula Coaching. Geula means redemption. The world's most professional Torah-based coaching program that seamlessly integrates it all. You can check out more about Rabbi Rome, like the video we mentioned in this today's podcast, about his journey from Buddha to the Baal Shem Tov, his journey back to, Ju to Judaism, on his YouTube channel, Rabbi Rome, and you can learn more about him on his website, www.rabbirome.com. Please leave a, re a review about the show and today's guest on Apple Podcasts and head over to SolomonEzra.com or follow me on Instagram at King underscore Solomon 8 and Facebook Solomon Ezra Berezin to learn more. Make sure to do something actionable with your learnings today and be sure to let us know via message or on social media. Now, onto the show with Rabbi Rome. Hey. Hey, how are you, Rabbi? Baruch Hashem, how you doing? Can you hear me? Great. great, thank God. Yes, I hear you loud and clear. How about you? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, great. Awesome. I uh, Like I, I messaged you uh, before, I felt like talking with you. Some I've watched your videos a little bit. And when I first came across uh, the one of how you, the, the title, From Buddha to the Baal Shem Tov, it really resonated because uh, I also have quite a history and continuing practice with meditation. And I felt like that was, uh, I would guess I would say portal to reinvigorating my connection with uh, Judaism. And so it's awesome to have you on uh, to start my new uh, season. And to get that going, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, your your journey, your story that you share on YouTube, but for for anybody that may not have watched it yet, and before they head over there, love to hear it here. Uh, so yeah, so first of all, ooh, wow. so uh, so buckle up, b'chaim, b'chaim. B'chaim. Uh, Yeah, so um, I did not have any uh, religious uh, upbringing whatsoever. I grew up with very little to absolutely no Judaism growing up as a kid. My Judaism was per, pretty much um, Adam Sandler and Locks and Bagels. That was, that was pretty much it. Are you crazy, Nat? Um, that was the extent of my Jewish upbringing. 
Um, and I and I and I went out on a long journey to kind of like find myself out in the world. Um, I didn't know what I was looking for in particular, but I just knew that I needed to search for something. I had this like deep burning something inside of me that just I could not stay in the place where I was. I grew up in Los Angeles, and and just I saw that you know materiality and the physical yeah, physical things just did not bring happiness. And uh, so I set on a journey. Uh, traveled across Europe for a few years. I uh, was there and then uh, finally ended up making my way to the East where uh, there I had the, I had discovered um, Eastern spirituality and, and, and Buddhist meditation in particular. I was not a particular spiritual guy growing up as a kid. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in LA. The most spiritual thing I did was play like, you know, hacky sack and ultimate Frisbee and, you know, but that I never was in like to yoga and meditation and all that stuff. Um, but I was in India and I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. And uh, you know, why not? The old saying when, when in Rome. And so, uh, it's your last, so name. I did this. Yeah. So I did, um, so I did this meditation course and it was, it was awesome. It changed, it changed my life, uh, because it, it really kind of got me in touch with a place that I had never been in touch with before. And it was, there was a lot of healing there. There was a lot yeah. of Know, childhood issues and whatnot and and I was like this is this is this is real and it's very experiential because for me religion was always something that was kind of like you know theoretical belief yeah. systems you have to believe in this believe in that right we can't exactly prove it to you and you know but but trust us you know take our word yeah. for it so here it was very uh it was very practical very experiential right connecting with the mind and, you know, consciousness. And it was, it was, it was very hands-on. And so that, it, it got me hooked essentially. And so I ended up actually doing like a, another meditation retreat and then another meditation retreat. And by that time I was like, this is, this is, this is it. I like, I totally bought into yeah. this Eastern idea that life is suffering and the only way to actually be happy is to renounce uh the physical material world and i was like yep okay let's do it i am on my way to becoming a full-fledged buddhist monk now um and i was like okay well how do how do you do that i didn't really know actually how you did that but um i just kind of like went with the flow um went to uh dharamsala in the himalayan mountains i got to meet the dalai lama amazing beautiful uh beautiful man beautiful experience and then i found a monastery that kind of would accept me and that i could just be there <clears throat> And, uh, and that's like kind of how I started my path. I was there for a little over six months, about seven months. And um, until, one, uh, uh, until one day after, you know, about seven months of meditating my brains out, literally like from like 5 a.m. till nine at night, like every day, vow of silence. It's not like vow of silence, but you're just, in, you're in silence. You, you, like you just don't have conversations with people. Just you're in your own space. I had my own meditation hut. That was cool. And, um, and I was, I was doing it. I was doing it. <clears throat> and uh, until one day there was this kind of epic meeting with one of the monks and that uh, the, the outcome of that meeting completely kind of reshifted the way of the path that I was on. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of brought me to Israel. And I decided to, uh, to, uh, to see my, to explore my own roots um 
So if anybody, any of the viewers want to see what that epic yeah. meeting was like, then you can go over to the YouTube channel and see the video. I'll let yeah, you I love, I love how you, I love how you share it in there. And it's, it's interesting to me. And I, I want to dive a little bit into the, the actual practice of the meditation when you were there, because through my own practice, you know, I, I, my interest and passion with meditation never took me to the to the east or really anywhere. I, I went on a 10 day silent retreat. I went on a, a week long uh, retreat with a doctor who teaches meditations, if you've ever heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza. And so with that, though, I, I felt like it actually drew me closer to opening my perspectives and diving into, okay, what is the orthodox practicing uh, Jewish lifestyle. And it has connected me with individuals like yourself. It has connected me, uh, thank God, with uh, Gil Locks, Goodman Locks, who lives in Jerusalem, you know, the guru Jew. And with also in, in Jerusalem, another podcast guest I've had, uh, her name is Ayelet Polanski, and uh, who, if she's wonderful. And also um, Rabbi Dov Ber Cohen. And I found it really in interesting, the well, first of all, I, I, I reached out and connected with all of you guys because obviously we want the practice, the meditation practice to be very kosher, to say it easily. And just diving into just the question, what, what exactly was that meditation? You were saying like you, you didn't really have so much of a Jewish upbringing. And I had a little bit more than like what you were saying, I think like conservative um but the more and more i would get into the meditations it drew me closer to it so i didn't really kind of understand that when i would connect with you guys so can you talk about what was the actual practice with the meditation because i i still find that it's in the with our science today that we have researching it it's so profound on healing the body spiritual connection everything so please dive into that. So, uh, um, so again, the meditation that I was doing was, you know, a, this kind of very uh, basic vipassana, you know, Buddhist meditation. Yeah. And, and really, and what what it basically comes down to is is kind of uh, putting the external world on hold and now turning the attention inward. Yeah. And if I can, you know, just sum it up very generally, kind of this idea of looking within and paying attention and just being aware, right? This idea of mindfulness, right? That's yeah. kind of like the catch word, right? Which is being, just being present. And, and that is a, it's a very um, awesome experience for people, you know, especially uh, like, you know, we grew up in Western society, Western culture, which is very, uh, you know, hustle culture, so to speak. And it's very external. We're always out in the world. Yeah. And we, we, we very seldom take time to pay attention to become aware of what's happening inside. And so the foundation of really, of all, you know, of spirituality, quote unquote, is the ability to kind of be able to have that sensitivity to what is actually going on. And so I would not say it's a particular Eastern thing. It's not an Eastern thing at all. It's an awareness thing. Yeah. Well, it and even came from Abraham. Like there's, there's, a, there's a lot to talk about Abraham. I talked about that in the, 
on the other podcast, but it's, it's, yeah, there's, it, it's, it's a human thing. It's a universe. It's a, it's a thing of consciousness, meaning the human experience has the ability to experience the external, but it also has the ability to experience the internal. And especially in our tradition, um, we, we kind of um, got out of touch. We lost touch or we got out of sync with being able to be more aware of what's going on inside on the eternal, in the internal, the, the pneumius. Mm. Um, and we got very much focused on what's going on outside, right? You got to do, 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 there's mitzvahs and this, and, and it's very outside. And even God as this, so to speak, external character that we are in a relationship with. And so through Eastern meditation or meditation in general, bringing the focus, bringing the awareness back to what's actually going on inside of me. Meaning yeah. How do I become aware of who I am, of what uh, my consciousness is experiencing right now? That awakens a very, very, very deep place within, every, within, within all of us, mm -hmm. because that's essentially who we are. And, uh, and so when I, when I came back to Judaism, when I started to learn um, the, the inner dimensions of Torah, the mystical aspects through Kabbalah, through Hasidus, that talk about these very things, it was, it was a game changer for me because I did not realize that Judaism actually spoke about having those types of experiences. Yeah. But the whole idea of being a, you know, a, a pneum, being aware of the processes that are happening and the experience and putting yourself in that state is a very Jewish thing. It's a very, uh, uh, it's a fundamental part of our tradition. Now, it was never really kind of revealed. It was never really utilized amongst the masses that came, uh, you know, I think much, much later, more in the time of the Arizal and then ultimately the Baal Shem Tov and then in the Hasidic movement. Um, and so, but the Eastern meditations that I was, was learning about was, was just giving me the ability to be able to look inside. Yeah. And when you start to kind of look inside, when you start to be aware of what's happening inside, then th then things start opening up. And it's like, oh, wait a second. Oh, I got a soul. I didn't, I didn't, I nice to meet you. <laughs> so, uh, so it was, so it was, it was an important step. It was important discovery. Yeah. It was an important discovery for me, but I won't, but I can't say that there was something inherently unique to those meditative techniques yeah. and, you know, and, and exercises, which is why once I discovered it within the framework of Judaism, mm. it was, it was unnecessary to, right, to say, because people ask me all the time, do you still meditate, right? Do you still do your, 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 your meditation? Thanks for asking my, one of my final questions, but. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. So I'll, <laughs> no, I'm just I'll kidding. leave the cliffhanger for the end, right? <laughs> Um, well, I got, I wanted to ask with the, um, when you're met, when you're meditating and I'm, I'm trying to relate it to similar with my experiences as well, you come up, a, you come up kind of close in, in, internally with thought to a lot of layers, let's say. You know, we could call it clipot, whatever, you know, different things that are bothering you, worries, concerns that you in meditation learn to get beyond to really get into the present moment. Mm -hmm. That's where it can be very effective. Do you never really had or did you ever have 
anything kind of related to the uh, your your Jewish um, identity come up during that? Because that that when I was going through, I remember one. I think it was the first retreat I'd maybe gone to. You you know you connect with your true source, your true self, and to do that, you get beyond who you are or who who you think you are. So I played uh, sports. I played college basketball, and I realized. I remember one of the first clicks. Clip clicks is like, oh, I'm not. I am not identified as an athlete. That's just a role that I play, which on one hand transformed my performance because I'm not taking it as seriously. But then in that also, you're going past different layers. Who, who are you? Who am I? Who am I? The, one of the things that comes up is religion and Judaism is one of them. And if, if, if I was like a, another religion, well, then as we learn in like the pasta and the retreats, everything is uh, changes. Everything's transient. So that if I'm this religion, but that's not, if, if I'm not my religion, then, then it can change. But then I realized that doesn't, that's, there's not, that doesn't uh, sit well with, with being Judaism because we know a Jew is a Jew is a Jew, regardless of uh, how, they, how you um, practice. So like that, would, that came up and I was like, I couldn't like kind of get past it in a way. And, and in a sense, in, in Rabbi uh, Dovber Cohen, in his book, um, Mastering Life, he talks about that. He felt like when he was going into the Judaism, it was kind of like he was um, letting go of the, the journey, the spiritual kind of journey, but it was actually opposite. So did you, did, did you ever have any of those kind of experiences come up internally with, in meditation or not until that Buddhist uh, monk came up to you and dropped uh... the bomb? There were there were there were experiences, but it not not in the meditation itself. Mm. Meaning through my journey in the Eastern, it never kind of you know dawned on me like I came out of meditation was like, well, I need to feel it right now. You know, it, it, that was not that was not in my awareness. And the way I I I experienced it, understanding it now was was peeling back layers mm. of identity. And growing up in Los Angeles, you know, Hollywood, California, and creating these identities for myself and who I perceived myself to be, um, it was the process of going to the East and the meditation that was, was able to help me kind of um, peel back those layers. Mm -hmm. But it was not until I came to, uh, to, uh, to Israel that I actually was able to uh, reconnect to the source of who I was. So I, I didn't have any like <clears throat> epiphanies. I am a Jew, you know, through the meditative, through the, through the meditative process. Um, and I think that is why many, uh, that's why you have many Jews who choose Eastern spirituality. Um, I don't know if it's a joke or it's a statistic, but they say, you know, 80% of Buddhists in America are Jews. Um, they, call so, it, they call themselves Bujus. Bujus, right. So, because you're asking the same thing, right? If they're, they're levels of, you know, they're masters, they're teachers, they're, you know, supposed to be on the very high levels, but yet they do not feel the calling yeah. to, right? And so, even though on one side you are peeling back layers, on another side, you are, so to speak, um, trapping yourself within other layers. 
because because that it is rooted in Eastern tradition, and because I wasn't really aware of what is kosher and what is not kosher, mm-hmm. and 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 this, this gets very very kind of like very subtle in uh, new age meditation, new age spirituality. Yeah, please. That's, that's a, you're, putting your, yeah. you're putting your consciousness, so to speak, in a state that even though it may feel very enlightening and liberating, mm-hmm. but at the same time, at a very, very subtle level, we are, so to speak, put, um, uh, attaching ourselves to these shell, to these uh, klipot and preventing us from really connecting to our essence. And I think that's how a lot of people, they get lured in by the actual experiential mm-hmm. power and you know beauty and awesomeness of these kind of um, uh, like non-religious affiliated meditative uh, you know uh, uh, paths and systems. Uh, and so on one hand, it is liberating and it's enlightening and I feel that wow, I'm getting this you know emotional freedom. But at the on the other hand, there the soul is not connecting to its source. Interesting. Um, because of the subtleties of of the the philosophy behind it and connecting, that it's not connecting to the source per se, right? We, I mean, kabbalistically, you would say you were connecting to Elohim, not connecting to Havaya. Wow. Uh, because there's the light that transcends the world, there, and then there's the light that is within yeah. the world. Right, and so everybody's talking about connecting to the light, connecting to the light, connecting to the light. But connecting to the light inherently has a a concealment to it. That's not the essence mm. of the creator. It's not the essence of who I am. And so, <clears throat> so on one hand, I was kind of so to be growing from the meditation. But on the other hand, I did not feel that I was becoming more Jewish. I didn't feel it was helping me connect more to my Judaism. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, can we dive a little bit into how can somebody, uh, because like the, the Rebbe talks about it, I think it was, no, it wasn't, it was somebody um, send me a video, you know, all the interesting stories when they go to the Ohel and whatever on, on the video. For those that uh, aren't familiar with it, because I have a whole uh, audience of not just Jews, but non-Jews. Um, the gravesite of the previous Lubavitcher, or, sorry, the previous, well, the, the recent Lubavitcher Rebbe that passed away. There's often uh, amazing experiences people have when they go in on the camera. They have they play pretty much all day um, videos of different talks that he was giving, and sometimes have pe- people have crazy experiences going in, and it's almost like he's talking directly um, to them. And one of them was about meditation and how recent how psychologists doctors people need to have this as a therapeutic um practice and he was also talking about because people are like you're just talking about getting into the eastern one if there's a jew a kosher option they'll definitely go for that to at least try it first Mm -hmm. so how can we how can somebody within uh the meditation like because the one i'll practice in the mornings prior to to davening because even uh, I, I believe it's the grandson of Maimonides talked about how the Tanaim, the great Torah scholars, would meditate to collect their thoughts before davening. Um, the, it's from a doctor, like I was t- talking to you about. So it may have some kind of maybe traces of um, other, other sources. I, I, I don't know that for sure. 
but how can I, and then also other individuals getting into meditation and passionate about the health benefits, uh, helping you know, work on your mitos, your character traits, uh, for myself breaking a, a negative habit that I used to have, how can we become aware of those subtleties that you, you were mentioning? So uh, it's an, a beautiful point that you're bringing up. And when the, when the Rebbe asked, um, <clears throat> I, for, I forget his name, <clears throat> Dr. Um, Baruch. He, 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 Baruch something, I think it was Baruch, right? Um, he came up with, I think it's called the relaxation response. Is that what it is? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, Herbert, Herbert Benz. Okay. And, and so <clears throat> separating, uh, using meditation <clears throat> as a therapeutical or even a medical or physiological mm -hmm. exercise, it's been proven, you know, time and time again, that there's incredible, incredible health benefits uh, reducing stress, regulating the immune, uh, strengthening the immune system, um, and right, uh, and and we know because the, the nervous system has kind of, there's kind of two aspects to it. There's the uh, the sympathetic nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, versus um, right kind of the rejuvenative, the the the, the healing um, side of the of the nervous system that is activated in a state of relaxation. So relaxation, so meditation as a relaxation or as a therapeutical technique is, is, is very, very important and is shown to have incredible uh, results. As soon as you take that, so to speak, therapeutical exercise and attach some type of spiritual ideology to it, huh. now you're working in a different system, right? Now you are not connecting to the natural, so to speak, physiological benefits of it, but now you are focusing the mind and the mind is attaching um, external spiritual ideologies to the exercise itself. And now once the mind gets involved, now it's very important what your mind is connecting to, mm. right? Because the Baal Shem Tov says, your thoughts are, you are where your thoughts are. Yeah. So if you believe that the meditative practice that you are doing is rooted in some type of spiritual philosophy or ideology, then that's what you're connecting to. And for, and for a Jew, that could have very um, uh, harmful benefits. Uh, sorry, not har that's, sorry, har <laughs> harmful uh, side effects, right? So on one hand, so what we're, what what the Rebbe was trying to do was to devoid the meditation mm -hmm. from any spiritual ideological philosophy. I think, I think he whatnot. even said taking it away, like not even calling something Jewish meditation. That's right. <clears throat> That's right. So using it strictly as a uh, as a relaxation technique, as 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 a theoret as a therapeutical, because as soon as you start talking about you know unified energy field and their energy of field and, and as soon as you start attaching any type of like you know I, I don't want I'm gonna be very careful about my words I don't want to offend anybody here but it, but as soon as you it, it goes beyond the physiological thing and it's used as a means of connecting to a higher state of consciousness or to tapping into something beyond transcending our own limited consciousness then you get then now you're now you're in the in the realm of spirituality and in the realm of spirituality there's the side of kedusha and there is the side that is not of kedusha 
And that is something that I have, I have, I, I, I see it time and time and time again, that many people fall kind of for this, this lure of, yeah. of, you know, spirituality that just feels so good. It feels, would somebody, it feels, so, it feels so right. But as a, for, for, for the Jew, for the essence, for like the, the subtle configuration of Jewish consciousness, it isn't right. It's just, it's not right. Just like eating a, a cheeseburger is not conducive to the spiritual health yeah. of, of a Jew. Would so, somebody be able to recognize that kind of difference between the, the Kedusha, the holiness and the not holy, because there is also that physi physiological and, you know, including the brain, as far as like the gray matter increases to transcendence and then level, not like they call out of body, but I was also heard recently that you're not actually out of the body because the body's still living. Mm -hmm. um, but you have like, it's like you're wearing a 3D virtual, virtual reality glasses. So you ascend right. to this higher level and you can see your life from a new point, new, new standpoint in the say. And so then when you return to, to the 3D world, let's say, you're ever you've changed in a positive way like you're now different parts of the body are communicating more effectively that you know can, would somebody become uh can can somebody within that practice become aware of those the different oh oh i'm 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 not i'm dealing with not holy stuff right now i have i i i i, I don't usually see people being able to distinguish between the two because mm -hmm. It's it, it's a it's a it's a very interesting thing. It, you know, Rabbi Chaim Vital, the Arizal's like preeminent student um, that we have all of the the Arizal's Kabbalahs because of Rabbi Chaim Vital. And so the Arizal would give him very very um, <clears throat> specific meditations to do. These are Kabbalistic meditations that um, on for maybe for those that are not familiar, but Jewish meditation, Kabbalistic meditation is not like Eastern meditation, which is more focused on mindfulness and awareness, which are very passive. And so it's using different techniques in the East, using either techniques, whether focusing on your breath or focusing you know, on a mantra, repetition on a mantra, something like that. But it's, it's just kind of like give the mind something to focus on so you can enter into a deep meditative trance, right? So those are, I, I consider those to be very passive forms of meditation, which is just, just be, be in the moment, be present, mindfulness, and so on. And so from the Jewish perspective, from the Kabbalistic perspective, though that, that's the kind of like a foundation meditation. But then on top of that, the second layer of real Kabbalistic meditation is using the mind in a very controlled way, meaning focusing on very, very specific things, very specific configurations of energy, um, whether they're being channeled through <clears throat> uh, the letters, the divine names or whatnot, but it's using the mind to, so to speak, you have this kind of map of the spiritual realities and using your mind now to be able to access those realities. <clears throat> and it, and so the Arizal would give Rabbi Chaim Vital these meditations. They're called Yehudi, these unifications um, to do that would allow his soul to be able to 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 access these other dimensions of reality. 
Yeah. And in those other dimensions, there are there's no lack of these conscious sentient beings that exist in those other dimensions, non-physical beings that exist, um, not just malachim angels and not just shading demons, but all kinds of of of, of consciousness, the beings that exist in, in a state of pure consciousness. And so it, you're able to communicate with them, right? Because I know in these, in these, in, in many, many systems that, you know, communicate and being able to access, you know, higher wisdom where you're receiving information and you're getting, communicating, right, with the other side and whatnot. And so the Rabbi Chaim Vital would communicate with these other uh, beings and he would come to the Arizal and he would say to him, well, this person told me this and, and then, and this thing told me that. And the Arizal says to him, listen, the very first thing you should do when you encounter a conscious, you know, a, a, a being that is existing in a pure conscious state and they're talking to you, the first thing you should do, the Arizal says, is ignore them. Is ignore them. It's like with Moses, it's like Moshe's experience. When he's getting the Torah, it sounds, it sounds a little bit like they're like, what is this guy doing here? This story. <laughs> kind of, but because, wow, this uh, is fascinating. because the Arizal is telling us that there are so many levels to reality, so many dimensions to consciousness, and that not all beings that exist at one level of consciousness are privy to what's happening at another level of consciousness. And not only that, but there are beings that could actually purposefully give misinformation. And so from a non-Jewish perspective, when we talk about you know, astral projection and out-of-body experiences and what this, it's like, as soon as you kind of like break through that barrier from this dimension to like another dimension reality, and there you're, you know, you you hear, even see, and you're communicating right with spirits and and these other entities. It's very exciting. It's very exciting because like, wow, I made it. I've 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 broken through the barrier of this, you know, physical limited reality. And you're like, okay, what do you got for me? I'm here. Along comes the Arizon, the Kabbalistic Kabbalistic masses. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Yeah, just so you pass the barrier, like, does not mean you got anywhere, okay? Keep going. Keep going higher and higher. And don't pay attention to the noise of what's going on. Because there are many, many, many layers, many, many, many dimensions. Wow. <clears throat> and so that... that bullet, sorry to jump in at this. That makes what, with what you're talking about, that whole analogy of um, the, like corridor kind of until the palace makes a little bit more sense it's almost like you're going through all these dimensions of parties in a sense like what's going on like right. and, so, and so and so we can become like almost so to speak spiritually drunk on these on these experiences because they're very real these are not delusions these are not hallucinations the mind is able to access these different layers and these different levels and different dimensions and realities and to, and to communicate with other entities and beings and it's very very real However, from the fundamental of Kabbalistic and Hasidic and Jewish philosophy is do not let your experience dictate to you what the truth is. 
right? Because your experience is always going to be subjective and you don't know what's laying, like what's behind the corner of another level of reality. So this is where kind of Luna comes in and we are not using our experience to determine, to distinguish what's correct and what's not correct. But we rely on what the Torah is telling us. Wow. We rely on what the tzaddikim are telling us. They have given us the maps of where to go and how to navigate. Mm -hmm. And so what that does is give a person um, uh, the, the proper, so to speak, filters and, and um, uh, defenses, I, I could say, to be able to navigate um, yeah. through spiritual experiences and continuously seek to connect to the root Roots, of yes. experience, which is always Hashem, which is, yes. that is the ultimate goal. It's not just to have the out-of-body experience to be able to see what is beyond the physical realm, yeah. because that in itself yeah. becomes a Mitzrayim. That itself becomes a limitation of consciousness. And that's where the subtle trap is, because you might think, wow, I'm in a state of expanded consciousness. But it is precisely that expanded state of consciousness that will enslave you, that will trap you, that will limit you to the, to, to the spirituality of a limited and defined universe and reality. Wow. Where our goal is always, always to go beyond all of the limitations between beyond all of the boundaries of reality and in that state the experience is, is much it's 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 much much different because in that in in that state you are not so to speak you're not experiencing uh, a spiritual level because this transcends spiritual levels itself because the definition of spiritual level by definition is limited because it's a level relative to another level. And so we're climbing this ladder of spirituality and the, and the ultimate, the, the, ultimate uh, the, the, the irony is, is that no matter how high you climb, you will forever be confined by this uh, spiritual universe, mm -hmm. right? And so that is never our goal um, as as mystic Jews, our goal is to transcend reality completely, to go to the to the etzem, to the go to yeah. the essence of God, right? That transcends all of reality itself. And then ultimately, we're not looking to climb, looking to climb ladders, so to speak. We're but ultimately, to, to bring it down, like we have that those experiences and and that awareness to then create to elevate the world. Like it's not, is that, a, is that also a clue to realize, okay, I'm, I may be trapped by the spirituality thing. If it's not then translating to, um, you know, help it contribute, contributing to physical, act, to physical yeah. action. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, the, by the way, it, all, it also sounds like that East, uh, that mindfulness, all that, where that ends is where, where all the other stuff begins that's that's all that's all that's also true that's also true because you have to have like nowadays we're working with you know we we have to learn to control our minds people you know like the tanya is becoming more and more uh, popular and important today um because we we need to learn how to use this tool 
between our ears. That's right. And you mentioned the Tanya that the, the Alter Rebbe says, the uh, Rebbe Shnerzama, the author of the Tanya, this is a very famous saying. He says, I don't want, I don't want the Garden of Eden. I don't want the world to come. All I want is you. And this is a very, it's a very, it's a very poetic, it's very beautiful, but it's it, it's it's kind of a very, very real and raw understanding of what Jewish spirituality is really about. We, you know, to be able to have spiritual experiences is awesome. And everybody wants them. And we should strive for them. However, we should also be aware to, to understand that that, that that is never the goal. The goal. It is never the goal because as soon as it becomes the goal, I'm in Egypt again. Mm. I'm not in the Egypt of the money and the cars and the physicality, right? That's kind of like a coarse Mitzrayim Egypt. But this is a spiritual Egypt because as soon as the experience wow. becomes the goal itself, I'm out of the game. I'm out of the game. And so the Tanya is coming to teach us, as is all really Jewish uh, mysticism, is that you can want spiritual experiences. Absolutely. We need to be able to kind of feed the soul for that. But nonetheless, there is a spirituality that transcends experience itself. There is a spirituality that transcends all of the levels, all of the infinite levels itself. And that is where we start to get into the real kind of core of what Jewish spirituality is really, really about. It's not connecting to the gilui, to the revelation of God's light. It is not connecting to the revelation of God's goodness. As far as we're concerned, we don't want God's goodness. We want God himself. Yeah. Right. So it's 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 a different approach. And when you talk about God himself, because this reality and all of the spiritual dimensions and realities that exist beyond our physical space time dimension, all of those infinite levels that exist that can be experienced, the higher you climb ladder, all of those are not able to. They do not have the capacity to experience God's essence. Because by definition, God's essence, when we say, there is nothing but him. And so if God's essence were to be revealed, all of those realities would be completely nullified. Mm -hmm. They would cease to exist. Right? They would be completely... Too much light. To, like too, he, right. he often uses the analogy of the sun. Correct. Right. Like the rays of the sun and, and within the sun. And so none of those dimensions and levels and realities are able to be a clea, a vessel for God's essence. Wow. So you want to climb the ladder? Go right ahead, right? You want to be able to have the spiritual experience? Go right ahead. Please be my guest. I'm right there with you. However, if you want to experience something beyond those levels, beyond, exp beyond experience, something that is inexperienceable, currently currently then 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 we can real start we can start talking about real jewish spirituality because to be able to connect to god's essence is actually only able to be done right here right now in this physical reality right god has given us the ability to connect directly to his essence not to his light 
but to his essence. We have the ability to connect to his light, but if you want to connect to his essence, you can do that as well. And that is through the power of Torah. That is the power of the mitzvahs. And so a person might think, okay, well, I'm learning Torah. I'm doing a mitzvah, but I don't feel anything. Yeah, you're right. You don't feel anything. You know why? Because you're connecting to the essence of God. Wow. And reality is not a vessel to be able to experience the essence of God. Right? So if you want the experience, okay, so meditate and, right, you can... You can you do a nigun and do all of the, the meditative practices that, you know, in the non-Jewish world or even in the Jewish world you can do. There's no end to real authentic Jewish meditation to be able to connect to the light. But if you want the essence, then you are able to have that whenever you want, simply by studying Torah, by doing a mitzvah. Um, and, and know that you in that moment are in a state of total and complete oneness and unification with the essence of the creator, not the light, not the revelation of that, but the essence of the creator, which this world currently does not have the vessel to experience. It will, God willing, in the Gil Shlema, that's what we're waiting for. But that does not deter me that from right now, it, it's very empowering because I know that I am able to free myself from the, the self-centered desires, even for spirituality. At any given time, I can free myself, I can liberate myself from the shackles of even spiritual seeking and connect directly to the essence. You can do that whenever and wherever you are. Thank God we have the Torah. So That's powerful. Uh, that is, a, it's a much, much, uh it's 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 a it's a different approach yeah. it's a different approach um understanding that there's the light of god and then there's god himself well so bringing it down to i'll have to uh when i'm back in jerusalem or israel i'll be uh we'll have to we'll have to have a cup of israeli coffee and some kosher wine you got it you're on me come up to Tzfas. oh i'll be right there um so let's say somebody wants to now integrate this and in, in practice the meditation and go about it in a um organized responsible mature way what is a proper intention that you would encourage uh, like I remind myself whenever I'm going into it, my purpose of the transcendence or whatever it is, is so that I can, you know, ultimately get out of my way per se and and fulfill my purpose more so. So to and ultimately to to elevate the world, to create as we call it, dirach biktach donim, the um, reveal the godliness in the world. It's not revealing godliness in the Sorry. world. It's revealing, revealing God, God himself. Yeah. Revealing God himself. That's right. Because godliness exists in all of the other dimensions. Yeah. Thank you for that correction. So you're, so you're asking, what is the intention? Okay. What so would you encourage somebody, somebody listening, can, and uh, when I talk with individuals, uh, help with individuals, um, I'll, I have guided meditations before as well. So when somebody may be listening and they are getting into practicing meditation or they're already in it, uh, for a little bit of some time, um, like myself, um, what's the intention 
would you encourage that that it that it keeps it keeps it pure and always the individual connected with with God because it also seems like based on our conversation and other individuals I've uh, spoken with and then read like from uh, Gil Locks is the intention really makes the difference like you were even talking about with the Baal Shem Tov, where your mind is. So That's if- right, the intention. I, I always say it's like um, um, Jewish spirituality is kind of like an iPhone. Yeah, meaning um, if you want to check your email, right? Or you want to, you know, watch a, a YouTube video, right? Or download, you know, something off of the internet. You must have two things. You must have two things to be able to watch the video, to download the email or whatever it is. You have to have a device and you have to have a connection, right? Wi-Fi or connection or whatever it is. You have an internet, right? If you must have both of those things, if you only have one, it's not gonna work. You could have like the newest, greatest, latest iPhone, you know, 14,000 G X, you know, seven. Um, but if you don't have internet, then you basically just have a very expensive calculator. Um, and if you have the highest speed Wi-Fi ever, right? But no device, well, that's not gonna help you either, right? That's not gonna help you either. So you must have both of those things. You have to have the device and you have to have the connection itself. So Jewish spirituality is very much the same way. You need to have a device and you need to have the connection. So what is the device? The device is the mitzvah. The mitzvah itself, we have 613 different mitzvahs. These are like 613 different frequencies. And, it, and that explains really kind of why every mitzvah is very, very, very specific. You know I mean, like crazy specific. Like sometimes it's like so like OCD specific, yeah. right? Like if like your filling is just like a centimeter off, no, that's not good, right? Like if, the matzo, if the matzah was more, it was 18 and a half minutes in the oven, nope, eh, comments, right? It's no good, right? If the little like the little, the little stem of the estro kind of just like broke off, right? rendered completely useless right so it's very specific and i used to think well that's kind of crazy that doesn't make any sense right like like god how ocd could you be <laughs> but when you understand the mitzvahs as these very unique frequencies these channels right you remember you, you remember what a radio is yeah so you have like this dial right and you have like this like the analog radio where it's just like moving through the different stations through the different frequencies mm -hmm. right so you're moving, moving, moving. So what's what's like what's a radio station you have where you're from? Eighty-eight point seven. Eighty-eight point seven, right? Eighty-eight point seven. So you're turning the dial. If you hit eighty-eight point six, you're not getting it. Yeah. If you hit eighty-eight point eight, you're just gonna get you know snow and, and you're not gonna hear it. You have to like dial it in exactly eighty-eight point seven. And now you can receive that broadcast, right? So the mitzvahs are these very specific mm -hmm. uh, frequencies that when we align ourselves with these very specific frequencies, now we're able to, so to speak, connect to that server in the sky. Yeah. However, that's just the device. You need the second part, which is also the connection. The device yeah. isn't enough. 
you have to have the connection as well. And the connection in Hebrew is what we call kavana. That's the intention, right? The intention of why am I doing this? And so when you, uh, when you bring together, when you connect the action plus the intention, then, you, then that equals transformation. Mm -hmm. Then things start to really affect you at a very, very deep level. And so <clears throat> the actions I'm sure everybody is familiar with, with you, you can just you know, find any rabbi to be like, hey, what are those mitzvahs? What, what, what are all those about? That's not, that's, not, that's not the innovation of Kabbalah and the Jewish uh, masters. But what is, is the intention itself. I mean, what is the intention that I should be having for the different mitzvahs yeah. and um and it, you know it probably it, it, you could probably study for the next you know 10 years to learn the particular intentions for every particular mitzvah because every mitzvah has its own unique intentions how do i align my mind and my heart and my body in the specific way according to this frequency right 88.7 not 88.6 so, but there is, but there, but there is, and that's pretty much what they're doing in the, in the, you know, the traditional Kabbalistic academies, the yeshivas, um, that they're learning the very specific individual and unique intentions behind every mitzvah. Now there is, lucky for us, there's also a very general intention to have. So for all of the listeners out there and everybody that does not have the next 10 years to go and study, you know, all of the secrets of, uh, of Kabbalistic uh, meditation, the general intention, which is something that the Hasidic masters put a lot of emphasis on talking to, you know, the, the masses, talking to regular people to empower them, to give them the ability to also affect the transformation in themselves in the world. The general intention comes down to this one phrase that we say uh, every morning, L'shem yichud kuchabrichu ushchenta. And it's taken from the Zohar. And what it literally means is that, that it's this phrase, so to speak, it's this meditation that is preparing us to enter into this experience. L'shem Yehud which translates literally to, I am doing this for the sake of the unification mm -hmm of the Kodesh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. Now- That's right, that's right at the start of Besuke de Zimra, correct? So it depends on what Nusach oh, you daven, yeah. right? But if you're davening, yeah. if you're davening the, in the Teilas Hashem, then we say that right before Baruch Shemar, right before the Besuke de Zimra. However, um, there are other Hasidic traditions that they say it before every single mitzvah that they do. And this is also in the Sephardic communities and the Sephardic Kabbalistic communities before any mitzvah, for putting on your talis, your tefillin, or you're going to light candles, or you're going to say the birkat hamazon, they say, l'shem yehud kuchabarichu shkinta. And so what it essentially means is that we are doing this, the intention is to unify the Kadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. The Kadosh Baruch Hu, you can say, is the essence of God. And the Shekhinah is the expression of that essence. It's the vessel to be able to, uh, to reveal that essence in the world. And so you can kind of think of it as the masculine aspect of God, 
and then the feminine aspect of them. And so every mitzvah that we do, we are doing it for the sake of unifying both aspects, the total, complete, infinite, and transcendent essence of God should be revealed here in this world. That is like kind of the very, that's the very basic, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not basic at all, but it, it's, it's a fundamental understanding the intention that kind of underlines all of Jewish practice, all of Jewish meditation, all of the observance, everything that we do is always for the sake of bringing that essence into this world. Because essentially we as, as human beings, as consciousness, these limited con- independent conscious beings, we, so to speak, collectively embody the feminine aspect of God, right? We are, so to speak, God's bride, right? And so we embody the vessel itself. And so when we actually do the mitzvah, right? When I say the word, or when I actually do the action, when I put the coin in the stuff in the charity bag, that action is the masculine essence of the creator because that's his will that i should do this and not this and so when that action now is being unified with my body i'm the one that is actually saying the words i'm the ones that are actually doing the action that is the unification itself and the infinite and transcendent god is right here in this place it's on my lips. Mm. It's in my hand. It's in, it's, in, it's in my entire being. And so I am the one that is actually making that unification and bringing that infinite transcendent essence into this world right here, right now. Mm. So that is the, uh, I hope that kind of, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the fundamental intention that we should be having when we do the action. Because just, be, you know, having, just doing the meditation without an action, I would say that's kind of like the preparation. Well, either it's one could be, could either one be a, a trap? Like if you just have, uh, if you get so, like, this will lead to my next uh, question. So how would you encourage somebody growing in uh, having, somebody that has a desire of, uh, of, of doing more of the actions, the, the mitzvahs, the connections, to not get trapped by the so much of the the like laws around it, and I remember you, you might remember I texted you one time uh, originally it was about like let's say kosher food. I think that's a, a um, the example to use for this um, because you you know somebody wants to have a, de- a desire to have to to keep the best kosher. Let's say something is slightly off it can lead to a, a reaction and that itself is separating, uh, not literally, but from the, is, the purpose of it. Right, which is, which is good, which is okay, because you should have the awareness because there's certain, I wanna be in a state of alignment. And when I do something, a particular action, um, that it, it, it throws me out of alignment, yeah. I'm out of sync now. And right, it's like, you know, someone moved the dial on the radio and now I'm not getting that broadcast anymore. And it's okay. I mean, the good news is 
it's not the end of the world. Don't be so hard on yourself. God is not like a vengeful God that is going to punish you for all of eternity because, you know, you, 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 you mistakenly put the milk spoon in, in the meat pot, right? That is why we have a mechanism that is able to instantly realign us in our natural state of connection. That's what we call chuba. To do chuba, um, in my un, in my definition of chuba is realignment. Yeah. Right. Some people say right at the lowest level, at the at the most. I was a regular, you know, rabbi. It's called repentance, right? But you know, the more evolved and more consciously aware, they say it's to return, right? That's what the Tanya says. It's up to return, um, and so you're returning yourself to your source, but when you break it down, what it really means is that we were out, we, we became unaligned, we're out of alignment, and Shuba's now bringing us back into alignment. So yes, I always want to be aware of my actions and the very specific actions, um, but when it doesn't go as planned, it's all right. Take a deep breath. Wow, didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. And get right back on track and get realigned. Yeah, so um, so it's 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 a, it, there's there's a lot of compassion and there's a lot of love and there's a lot of joy and even when you screw up it That's should be done with joy right you should exactly. it should never ever put you in a state of anxiety or fear or anger that's not that is not the those are not the characteristics of of real jewish you know spirituality it it, it almost seems the, the the approach or mindset that has at least made it uh, for for some people I've spoken with and and then with myself a lot more of a a fun and exciting journey is to look absolutely. at it almost like a game per se. Absolutely. Like if absolutely. you're playing a you like if you're playing a sport, it's an exactly. adventure. Is what it is. Exactly. It's an adventure. We are not perfect. Okay. And I think one of the diseases of this generation is we are so hard on ourselves. Yeah. We feel so unworthy because we have created such incredible mountains of expectation, either from what we expect from ourselves or what from others expect from us or what, you know, for, for what we think God expects for us. And it's just burying us all under all of this, uh, this, this, you know, this, this, this knowing that I cannot live up to those expectations. And so we get, we get down and we get very, 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 uh, uh, you know, depressed, and and that's not that's not real Jewish spirituality. That is not the path of the Baal Shem Tov. That is not the path of the Rebbe. That is that's that's not where we want to be. And because that's not the truth. The truth is that the mystics are telling us that God loves you and God sees that you're imperfect and He knows you're imperfect. And you have to try. You got to give it your best shot, right? But lo alecha ha right? It's not, it's kind of fun. You do what you can to do. And it's a continuous adventure. And, and I try, I try. I'm not using this as a way to kind of uh, give myself kind of a get out of jail free card. And I can say, okay, no, so I can uh, be a little bit less, uh, uh, you know, less uh, 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 responsible for all the things that I need to do. No, I'm going to try my absolute best because I want to be in the ultimate state of alignment. But the truth is that even when I'm not in alignment, I'm still connected to God. Exactly. It's just because my perception. heart is always there. And when I did something, I shouldn't do it. And, 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 I, and I feel that. But it's a, it's a constant adventure. Every day, you're going to try a little bit better. You're going to try a little bit more. 
And it's a continuous discovery, self-discovery. And, and God sees that. And God is the infinite, infinite, you know, master of creation, knows you, knows you're not perfect. And that's okay. That's why we learned that before he created the world, before he created you, he created Chuba. Yeah. Right? Why do you have to create Chuba before you create the world? What are you automatically assuming that they're going to mess up from the beginning? Right? So, because the truth is, we're not here to be perfect. But we are here to, we are here to rise above our, yeah, we're here to rise above our, our imperfections. It's to accept and to embrace our imperfections. That's what makes us human. That's why God gave us the Torah and did not keep it in the heavens and give it to the angels. Because God appreciates our, our imperfections. And that's, that's where real yeah. human, the human experience is. When we are able to fall and to accept that and to, and to get back up. It's... Uh... When, when, when it's really embodied, that compassion, it's such a, a sigh of relief in how you approach just one's life. It reminds me of, uh, you know, recently I heard my, my rab, one of my rabbis was giving a, a talk when, um, I forgot the name of the parsha when the, um, Jacob was giving the blessings to all of his sons, and some of them don't seem to be blessings. And the first one he gives to um, the, old, the oldest son, um, while wow, the name just uh, slipped Ruben. Ruben, thank you. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I don't remember the exact words, but it's, it seems like a, a, a curse in a way, like that's not a blessing. But um, ultimately, he was, you know, he was the son, oldest son, he was going to be the high priest, all these roles that he was, you know, in his mind thought he had to fulfill. And then by what his father told him, this, this blessing, which seems like, a curse it was actually the greatest sigh of relief for him because he was like oh i i don't have like i can be myself right. and so like that that came up when you're speaking because then when we approach life and practicing and just almost everything it becomes like a a, a game in a, an adventure you said the better an adventure that's so pure and holy and then that's what life's all about like even when you mess up you're not hard, mad at yourself here it's almost like ah, dang you got me this time but um i'm gonna come right back at it wow so all right you had like amazing adventure and journey and it led you to jerusalem and uh you studied a lot and it led you to become a, a rabbi and i'd love to in our begin concluding i'd love to hear it all led to to the rabbi room of today wow so um so i started learning i was in jerusalem and then i ultimately came up to spot um which was just you know it just it just suited my, my my soul a little bit better and and i started learning and i uh after after studying and um deciding to become and you know a certified ordained rabbi myself and to be able to um, uh, kind of, so to speak, tap into my own independence and own it myself. Um, I then realized that I had this, um, this ability that Hashem gave me the ability to be able to, to explain, explain very, very esoteric concepts, um, in Judaism, in Kabbalah, in Hasidut, 
Um, I was able to explain it in very kind of, you know, simplistic terms, if you will, maybe to be able to, to, uh, to bring it down to someone that maybe did not have so much of a background. And so um, I started uh, getting invited to lecture, um, started to lecture a lot for Tagalit, for Birthright, many, many buses that come through Tzfat, um, back before when buses were coming to Tzfat, uh, pre-corona. Pre but uh, I was talking to thousands and thousands of American college kids every year um, that would come through spot and talk to them and, about Jewish identity and, and not the Judaism that they maybe were exposed to growing up as a kid, whether in the reform movement or conservative or even in the orthodox movement, but to get a very, very uh, deep um, and refreshing look um, at, uh, at Jewish spirituality. And so that's just kind of how it began. And um, people would always come up to me after the classes, after the lectures. And so, so do you have anything on YouTube? Yeah, like I, because we only talked in 45 minutes, an hour, you know, lecture, how much do you have? And so they would come up and say, do you have anything on YouTube? Do you have anything online? Can I, you know, I want to like, I want to keep in touch. I want to learn more. And I was like, YouTube, what's that? <laughs> you know, I've been living in spot for 20 years. Like, I don't, I don't remember, like, that, I was not, you know, I was not very technologically savvy, and it just, it just reached a point where just people were asking again and again and again and again, like, so do you have anything online? Do you have anything online? Do you have anything on YouTube? And I'm like, no, I don't have anything on YouTube. Finally heard the And call. I was like, that's it. I'm doing it, right? I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Something. So I bought a camera. Um, it's like cheap little, you know, camera. And I started, you know, making videos and started recording some of my stuff. And um, that's just kind of, that's kind of how it began trying to find my voice and my ability to kind of connect with people beyond spot and in the world. And, and it's been extraordinary, um, you know, getting the responses that I get from people from all over the world, Jewish, non-Jewish, you know, Arabs, Muslims, Christians. It's just, it's, it's been an amazing kind of like, uh, enlightening, yeah. enlightening experience for me um, to be able to kind of be able to communicate and to be able to share Torah, to be able to share um, my and my experiences and my connection with Judaism to to the world. So that's kind of how how it started. Yeah. So uh, and you're also coaching now, correct? I was also coaching, yeah, because I, one of the biggest things that I noticed that was lacking is that even though we have such a rich and sophisticated spiritual system, there is a lot of emphasis on what to do. Mm -hmm. But I, it was very, very hard for me finding books that were teaching actually how to do it. Meaning, how do you create, like, what's the step-by-step -step process to take somebody through a meditative experience, to take somebody through the ability to achieve some type of emotional, you know, liberation. And, mm -hmm. and so that was, I, I kept searching. I was searching. I my mom was reading I could, every book that I could find. And, you know, it's like here in this book and here in this book and here in that book. And, you know, it's in the PSX no Rebbe and it's in the, 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 the Netivos Shalom and it's in the Noam Eli Melech and it's, and it's in the Tanya and Likutei Moharan and there's like bits, but there was no like one definitive book or someone that just kind of yeah. like put it all together and like this is how you uh you actually practically apply all of this jewish spiritual wisdom 
Amazing. Um, and so that's kind of where I started to to formulate, you know, these processes, these formulas and, and systems, incorporating all of the spiritual wisdom within all of the different books and to be able to create um, a path for somebody to be able to do it in a very systematic and, and simplified way. Well, step well, by step. we'll have to uh, keep in touch and perhaps do another one because like I was asking in, earlier on in this uh, in our call, that's exactly it. How do we take all these benefits from the meditation and, right. and grab, right. you know, perhaps we'll even, we'll run a, a Jewish spirituality retreat at some point. Amen. Amen. In but the works. In the works. One of the, when you were talking and um, you're saying you, you realize this gift you have and, and you've expressed it a lot through our conversation. So first of all, thank you of being able to uh, reach out and speak clearly and relatably to different, communi different communities. It reminded me of a, a, a deep insight I learned, I'm looking, I have it just pulled up right now, in the Gemara on brachas, which Gemara on, on prayers or ble blessings, is we have one of them that says, how do you know when it is light enough to say the Shema outside? And it says, if you can recognize your friend that's six to eight feet away from you, it's uh, that's when you that's when you know it's um, light enough, and Dawn. then huh? Done, done. When it's done, and then I, I heard this deeper um, insight that uh, I'm just reading it off my computer. But it looks like I'm not looking at you. It says on a deeper level, there are friends that are part of your culture, which is like a one feet where it's not sure if where you're not sure if you can say the Shema, but the one that's outside of the culture that you can recognize as your fellow. Then you can they, then you can say the Shema. You can embrace that oneness and love for everybody, not just the inner circle. So, I think mm -hmm. it's beautiful. And in, in, in what you'll be able to do is you're you're speaking to not just people in Sfat per se, or or the people that came on uh, birthright. Well, that actually more fits the example. But the kids that come on birthright, people that follow watch on YouTube. Uh, which I highly recommend people going to check out Rabbi Rome on YouTube, especially we talked about at the beginning, the, the first video, which is so inspiring and so cool, and how you impersonate the, the Buddhist monk's accent. But uh, Rabbi, it's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for finding the time and space to, to speak with me today. And I'm, I'm so uh, grateful to have connected with you. And uh, I really look forward to getting to Jerusalem as soon as I can, as soon as the borders open up. Amen, amen. Thank you very much for having me. This has been uh, this has been really fun. And I want to bless you that you should manage to be successful and, and also spreading your light and spreading your message and uh, and doing God's work in the world. This is uh, this has been amazing and uh, you should have incredible success. Thank you so much. How can how can people reach out to do you have a website uh, other than the I have a, I have a website, you go to rabbirome.com. Okay. And um, you can sign up for the newsletter. There's stuff to see there. And of course, through my YouTube channel. And um, yeah, awesome. and uh, lots, of, lots of more stuff in the works. So have a lich to go week. Amen. You, you too as well, my friend. All the best. Take okay. care. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about. 
gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out SolomonEzra.com. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.